One of the beautiful things about this week is the church literally left the building. So the church is on a starship this week <laughs> with uh, Captain Granitron and the Star Runners. That was the church, and that, that seems kind of odd and silly, and yet it was so powerful and, and so moving. I'm very proud. I can't tell you how proud I am of our church. And in all transparency, I really love you guys, <laughs> at least most of you. I mean, there's some, there's some of you, but I really, I just, and, and again, this is, um, this is an affection that comes from the Lord. I just, it just kind of gets downloaded, or at least it should be downloaded into any senior pastor. And what I, what I've discovered in uh, 21 years of full-time ministry, I know, And turning my affections towards the church and towards people. What I've learned is when that takes place, the kingdom of heaven begins to open up into space. If you're somewhat new, you know, we do ministry time during worship. And it's just, it's just part of what we, it's just part of what we practice. It's part of what we value. We value uh, worship and, and, and turning our, our, our attention towards the Lord. When you are worshiping, uh, you're not in the audience, you're in the band, yeah? Okay. So it's not about you being entertained, it's about you worshiping the Lord. And the other side of that coin, when we reach out to God in the midst of worship, he in turn reaches out to us and ministers to us. And so that's, that's what's taking place. But that only takes place when there are believers that love people. Years ago, kind of in the, in the grind of daily church life, church ministry, you know, we were doing ministry time, and I was, on the, I was on the prayer line, and we were praying for people, and nothing's happening. And I loathed ministry time. I hated it because people would cough on me and get me sick. It was just so miserable. And I'm like, God, oh, I didn't sign up for this. This, is, this. this stinks. I don't like it. And I went to this, this healing conference. I spent a lot of tithe dollars to go to this conference. I spent your money to go to a church conference on healing. Yeah. And three or four hours into it, I'm looking at the material. I'm hearing the material presented. And I, I'll, just, I'll just confess. I said a bad word. I said a bad word because the material that was being taught, I, in fact, have taught that material word for word. <laughs> Sounds like it wasn't anything new because the material was ripped off. Everything, almost all of it was ripped off from John Wimber. 
and Jesus. Yeah, and Jesus. I'm like, what am I doing here? I know all this stuff. In fact, I can teach this material better than that guy. For, for real. <laughs> so, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm already here. Just, I'm just going to suck it up and have a good attitude, right? And then something happened. The Lord taught me something very important. Like, these people did not know me. I was a complete stranger. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know who, what I did. They didn't know I was a pastor. They didn't know anything about me. There was no skin in the game. There was no networking opportunities. There was no leverage to be had by getting to know me. But these weird people loved me unconditionally. And when that started to click into my mind and then into my soul, when that started to take place, the Lord had now had opportunity. Once, see, once I humbled myself and submitted to what he was up to, then he was able to speak to me, you know? And then the, the clear word of God came into my mind's eye. I've heard audible voice of God a couple of times. It's very, very rare. But I know when God is inside of this cabeza, inside of this coconut thing talking to me, and you can just like hear his voice crystal clear. And it says, you know, Josh, if you want to see people healed again, then maybe you should start loving what I love, and I love the church. Yeah. Same thing happened to Pastor Larry, by the way. I'll let him share that. that test. He's shared it before, but the same, the same type of thing. And so once I, once I directed my, my affections to where God's affections are, then we started seeing, like, it was crazy. Like, within a week, um, just crazy miracles were taking place, like major back pain and heal. I mean, just wild, wild ride. And I also discovered something lately. That even though I think, and this is humble Pastor Josh talking, I am so incredibly humble. Like, I am so <laughs> humble. I am, I am more humble than you. Um, so even though I... I I love you. I think Mako might love you more. Woo! Something very special about a pastor's wife that loves the congregation. That's a rare one, folks. That is a rare one. And there's so much that she does behind the scenes that you don't even see. And she doesn't even get paid. Yeah, she's on. You get a twofer. You, got, you guys get a twofer. All right. Church. What is it? What do you guys think that it is? It's changing. Churches, churches, ch churches changed over the years. It's changing right now. It's it's the, the the way that the culture is shifting and moving. It's changing in dramatic ways. But we need to. Oh, there she is. Oh, there she is. <laughs> 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 oh, she's gone. She's, she's hiding. <laughs> there she is, everybody. 
Pastor Mako Kapczynski, the First Lady of Granite Creek. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mako. Happy birthday to I love you, honey. And doesn't she look pretty good for being 30? Yeah. All right. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the topic of what, it, what do you think church is? What is it? What are your, what's your perception of what church is? Uh, that is... Just for clarification, that is not a, a fortress from the Lord of the Rings. All right, uh, I'll give you a little heads up. In the fall, I'm going to do the biography of Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. So it, to all you nerds and geeks, just invite your other nerd friends to church. And it, it, his story is absolutely incredible. So we're going to learn about... Uh, the biography of Tolkien. But yeah, this is not like Mordor or something. This is a real church in Iceland, in Reykjavik. And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the name of this church. But it's a, it's a Lutheran church built in 1980. And it's 250 feet tall. And that's not Photoshop. Those are the northern lights behind it. So this is a, like, as an as a architectural piece of art... This is on my bucket list. I have to see this thing some, someday in my life because it's just, it's, it's gorgeous. It is an artful expression of church. I don't know what their attendance is like. I don't think it's too hot, but they got a really cool building, right? I am a fan of the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee is a satire, Christian satire site. You all need to go find it. It will make your day better. But it's, it's Christian satire, and they go after everybody. They go after the local Christian contemporary church, mega church, home church. They go after politics. They go after everybody, and it's hilarious. It's it literally, it's the funniest thing out there, and other comedians have recognized the Babylon Bee as the funniest thing out there. It is a satire site, meaning it, it's like jokes, and they're, they're making fun of things, and, and yet it's duped many of Christians thinking that the, their articles are real, it even duped President Trump. He, he actually quoted a Babylon Bee article thinking that it was real. I've seen certain Christians that I know repost Babylon Bee articles thinking that they're real. They're not. It's satire. They had uh, Elon Musk on their podcast, and it looked like they led him to the Lord. I'm not quite sure, but it was interesting. Watch that one. That was fascinating. All right, uh, can you guys bring up the first photo? 
this is the photo from the Babylon Bee, and I'm going to read you the post. Hey, you. Yeah, you, pastor. Is your church boring? Is your congregation leaving in droves to go down to the cool church down the street that has hot worship leaders? Sorry, Landon. Hot worship leaders <laughs> and, <laughs> and laser lights and haze machines? You got to fix that, pastor. Here's how to make sure that your board congregation comes back to the next Sunday. Number one, offer VIP packages and passes to meet the pastor backstage. As the pastor, you are a celebrity. I know. As, as the pastor, you are a celebrity, and everybody wants to meet you. Offer executive VIP passes to the first 20 people. Number two, challenge the pastor of the church across the street to a cage fight. I'm kind of interested in this one. I'm kind of interested in doing this one. The Bible teaches, Bible teaching is fine, but when people, re but what people really want is a bloody pay-per-view MMA fight. The winner of the match gets to keep the half of the other congregation. <laughs> Number three. Offer anyone who shows up a chance to play bass in the worship band. <laughs> Make dreams come true. Don't worry, you don't have to tell them that the bass is always unplugged anyway. <laughs> or, or we just turn it off with the soundboard. No. Number four. Replace boring wafer communion with Cinnabon cinnamon buns. <laughs> it's irresistible. Number five, everyone gets a taboo buzzer to press whenever the pastor says something they don't like. We could have, do you know that Jim LeJudice, he created uh, the easy button? So the guy that created our starship, he literally created the easy button. So maybe we could have him make a taboo button. So whenever you don't like something I say, you can just press the button. Boo. Yeah. Nothing like some audience's participation. If you're low on funds, you can give them rotten cabbage to throw. Number six. <laughs> Tie a string to their smartphones and slowly pull it towards the church doors. <laughs> Virtually everyone on earth is emotionally and physically dependent on their smartphones. Isn't it time that we're emotionally and physically dependent on walking through the church doors every Sunday? So, satire, but there's a little bit of truth weaved in there, right? <laughs> I've, I've, I've thought things like this before, I'm sorry. <laughs> but number seven, put CBD vape capsules in the fog machine <laughs> to, to help everyone stay relaxed. And maybe... Add some nicotine for a little chemical dependence. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys think this is funny, too. You're in the right church. 
advertise a new forgive any sin promotion. We all know God can forgive any sin except the sin of voting Democrat. But, oh, <laughs> but it feels so much better if it's part of a cool promotion, print out coupons for extra interest. All right, so this is all, it's fun. But there's a little bit of truth in this. And I've been guilty of doing sticky stuff to get you interested in coming to church by hook or by crook, right? You just got to get them in. You, you know, you can't, uh, you can't wash them before you catch them, right? So this is a thing that's going on, you know, or we're Americans, we're consumers, uh, we are an entertained culture. We have entertainment, like, on our phone, like, literally on our, at our fingertips. We're, Southern California is the capital of entertainment. And so it is an interesting dilemma, and... Well, there are churches that are there that are going empty. Five senior pastors in this city alone resigned this year. Several churches in our close to our vicinity, some churches that we've partnered with, have literally shut their doors. They've closed. They're done. Yeah, it is sad. It shouldn't happen. And. I want to, I'm not saying that they did anything wrong. Who knows what what the situation is? I just know, you know, after 21 years of full-time ministry, being a pastor's kid, growing up in church, uh, being able to see behind the veil, you know, the other side of the curtain of the Wizard of Oz, you know, like, yeah, it's not easy. So what are your perceptions of what church is? And me included, we all have these idealistic ideas of what the true church should be, what what church should be like. If you've been with us for a while, you have heard it said by me and by probably any pastor that has taken the pulpit here, you've heard it said that we have an incredible building, but the church is not the building, the church is the people, yeah? True statement. True statement. Um, so the church is, it, it is a people, and yet we congregate in a building, and this is, this is vital to get. You can't do church by yourself. That's not church. The coming together of people in the form of corporate worship that's just the beginnings of church. So you can't do it by yourself. You have to, you have to be around people. There's different express, expressions of what the congregation is, the congregating of people. There's the one from the Babylon Bee, which is the old school church of pews that, uh, you know, is that, is that expression going to die? Who knows? Maybe it's going to have a revival. Maybe that, maybe, I don't know. Maybe young people will think that's cool. Maybe some hipsters are like, I want to go to a church that has pews. I, who knows? Maybe. Oh, yeah. oh, Kim's like, oh, no. 
But then there's the, there's the concert church. It's very popular right now in our culture, right? Jesus culture, Hillsong, again, the lasers, the fog machines, the hazers. It's great. And let me, let me just, okay, you need to hear my heart on this. I'm not criticizing because I think that this is a good thing. Like this expression is a good thing, but it also has its negatives, has its downsides. One is that concert church promotes the entertainment impulse that we have. You have to buy tickets to these events, right? At the Kia Theater to go see Jesus Culture. You have to buy tickets, but yet they call it worship. Is it worship or is it a concert? I don't know. I'm kind of confused. So if it was church, then it would be free, and then you would just be asked to tithe. But this is a concert. And yet, I can't say that the presence of God does not show up in these creative expressions. Uh, other forms of church is the big giant mega church. Mega churches are great because they're meeting a cultural need. People that like to go to stadiums, people that like to go to rock concerts and ball games, people that like to go to Walmart, like these kind of churches. Stop it. I, do, I go to Walmart, everybody. I have, to, I have to rededicate my life every time I do. I have to ask for forgiveness every time I go to Walmart. But I'm so cheap, I'll go to Walmart. So nothing wrong with Walmart. But it is, um, the megachurch is a, it's a, it's an answer to a consumer culture. Nothing wrong with it. But we know, we know from experience, from talking from other people, that church, that the megachurch experience is great, and yet... You can be anonymous, and you can sit in the back. You can, and I've heard this so many times. I've been in this church for two years, and I, I've never met the pastor. You can meet me. I'll take you out to coffee this week. Just email me. We'll do it. So that's the downside of the big, giant, megachurch experience, is that, you know, maybe you'll get lost in the crowd. Or worse yet, you are going to a church that is celebrity-driven. You know, it is all about the, the preacher on the big screen. Megachurches that are retiring their senior founding pastors, they're in crisis because they've built a church off of a personality. And when that, person, that personality is done, they can't feel those big, giant seats anymore. Interesting, huh? Look, you could say that this is a criticism against the church, uh, but as people that sit in the audience, as, as congregates, it's also a criticism to people that attend church, right? What is it saying about them? Going for the wrong reasons? I, you know, it's, it's tough. It, I mean, it's all, everybody's to blame for all the, the bad stuff, but everybody can also be praised for the good stuff. In contrast to the megachurch is what I grew up in, which is the home church model. And you all might be thinking, well, this is the way to go. This is the early church, right? This is the way that Jesus would do it. This is the first, this is the first you know, this is an Acts 2 church. Not exactly true. 
Like, this is great. Like, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation like this, in a home church. Like, mom and dad's living room was the sanctuary. And in that, in that environment, in that setting, in contrast to a megachurch, you don't get the opportunity to be anonymous and sit in the back. You are in, and you are intimate, and you're going to get to know everybody. There is, there is no slipping through the cracks. You have an opportunity to build some strong, lifelong relationships. The living room was the sanctuary. Is this the way to go? I don't know. Ask, ask a seven-year-old Josh, pastor's kid, if this was the way to go. Because if the living room was the sanctuary, guess where children's ministries was? My bedroom. My bedroom. I had to share my toys with weird, weird missionary kids that I didn't like. And I'm an only child. And I don't like to share toys. They're my toys. This type of home church model is powerful. It, too, has, with, has drawbacks. Major drawbacks, actually. One of them is, is that we know by study that these types of models get so cloistered and closed off and tight that nobody comes in. Like, they police who gets to enter into the inner sanctum of the home church. And if you do not look like them, act like them, have the same values if they do, if you present yourself as a threat or even just a little weird, you don't get invited. The only way that you get into that circle is if you know somebody that invites you in. And then I guess you feel special. So there is no room for real growth. Most of them stay at the same number. Even the ones that are trying to be strategic about multiplying, they, they don't. And being a kid in this model, frankly, it's just not safe. Because, well, let's just be honest. A lot of people have emotional issues, addiction issues, spiritual issues. And they're ringing your doorbell at 2 o'clock in the morning, half demon-possessed or drunk or having an emotional breakdown or their spouse left them and, you know, they, they know where the church is. It's your house. <laughs> so not the best model either. We eventually moved mom and dad's home church into classrooms and then auditoriums and then back here. That was probably the best way to do it, grow naturally in ways that we could, we could reach more people and keep other people safe. Uh, strip mall churches are a thing, huh, Landon? Specifically in the South, go to, go to church and then right after go next door to Bed Bath & Beyond. And then there is a marginalized people group that need to be reached, and those are elves. 
And so I did a sermon on this a while back. But then there's like literally Elf Church. This is a real thing. Back to Iceland. This is going on right now in Iceland where they believe, like these super smart, intelligent people believe in elves. And there was a, they actually rerouted a freeway around an elf village. And then they decided that they're going to build churches for elves. It's awesome. All right, so what is your, what is, what is, back to the question, what is your perception of church? What do you, what do you, how do you feel about church? How do you see church? Like, what is your, what's your first feeling when you see church? Brothers and sisters? All right, I'm not going to do a raise of hands. Fellowship? We're going to some positive stuff. This is good. You know, when I ask people on the street how they feel about church, and I invite them to church, some people are obviously very open and like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. I've never been to church before. Or, yeah, I'm a Christian. Um, my grandma goes to church. <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> no, that, that, that one, that's a real thing. Well, to be frank, when I'm asking people on the street about Christianity or about church, I'd say 50-50 is positive or curious. The other 50%, like there's a wall that goes up. Like somebody that is so sweet and funny and open-minded and you want to be around, you want to hang around, and you mention the word church, and there's like Fort Knox just goes, and there's a wall that comes up, and you can't, you can't get back in. It's strange how people, like their perception of church has changed and twisted and morphed into something that's just not reality. Now, the local church has played a part in it. Inside of the local church experience in America, uh, church has done some horrible things. Scandal after scandal. It did not stop with the televangelists in the 80s. It, It, like... Major denominations all over this nation, they're putting pieces together that is just awful. And so whenever you are sharing your faith with somebody and you talk about Jesus, you talk about Christianity, you talk about church, and you see this wall go up, that is, that's your sign to back off. Because you have no idea what their experience was. So don't fight. Don't try, to, don't try to be the good apologist and argue with them into the fact that church is amazing because for them, and I, and I know from, again, I know from experience, maybe something bad happened. The next picture is by my favorite artist. And again, he is painting a church. This is his interpretation of church. This is Van Gogh's church. Vincent Van Gogh. Before he got obsessed with painting, do you know what he was obsessed by? Helping people. He was on his way into ministry, and he was serving the church, and he was serving the lowest of the low in the mines, like the poorest of the poor, people that had real problems. I got real problems too, but I mean, he was hanging out with people that the church did not want him to hang out with. People that the church did not want Vincent to invite into the sanctuary. 
I don't know what all the situations are. I just know that he was shut down and that he was hurt by the church. And this church is his interpretation of what church was after he was run off for doing ministry. Look, let's just be honest. This is not a church. This is a, this is a haunted house, right? And you need to know this about your friends and, and, and family members, people in your community that shut down. A lot of them see church this way, that it is oppressive, that it is egotistical and bigoted. I mean, any negative thing that you can think about, like in, in the culture, the, the society, uh, the talking heads and, and Twitter, they're all saying that this is what church is these days. And then they're buying it. But that, that's not, like, you know that that's not what church is. I like the next one. This is a cathedral by Claude Monet. And he sees, you know, close to being a contemporary of Van Gogh. And Monet sees church, the cathedral, in a lighter light. It's almost like, like this cathedral is the New Jerusalem, which we talked about last week. Like this is a, an ethereal place coming out of heaven. I said earlier, which is true, I said earlier that the church is not a building, it's a people, yeah. And yet, there's something special about the sanctuary. Something holy about the sacred ground, sacred space. Next picture is uh, Notre Dame. Those are called flying buttresses. Go to the next picture. That's what they look like there. It's like, a, it's like the ribs of a building that are on the outside to support a cathedral that literally reaches up into heaven. Chartres Cathedral, the, the ar architect that built that, had a philosophy of architecture. And in that philosophy of architecture says, you know what? If we can make this ceiling higher, and if we can make these stained glass, if we could put more stained glass windows in the sides, and if we could tell the gospel message through these stained glass windows, because most people could not read and write during the time, they learned about the gospel through windows. The light shining through the windows was their word of God. Interesting, right? And the idea is like, you know what? If we can, if we can make this sacred ground lofty if we could do if we could create something so beautiful for god that when people enter into that sacred space and they look up as if they're looking up into the vaults of heaven that they will be carried away into an ecstatic state and if you've ever been into a cathedral you know that to be true so yeah the church is a people but it's also a place and, like, I, I don't have time to build a whole theology around this. But what I do know from the scriptures is that real estate is very important to God. It is. Did you guys, you guys know that? Real estate is very important to God. 
Just look at Israel. Consider the temple. Even the sanctuary is so important to God. Before there was a temple, there was a tabernacle, a little portable tent shrine that they could carry God's presence around all over the place. And everything was so meticulous and detailed and gorgeous and artistically done. So which is it, Pastor Josh? Is it a place or is it a people? Uh, yes. It's both. All right, if it's your first time, I'm going to get weird. I'm going to get a little strange because I believe, I believe in sacred space. In fact, I believe this place is sacred. And, not, I mean, of course, I believe, you know, why wouldn't I want to believe that and promote that? But it has been confirmed, and sometimes it's been confirmed by you. You know what, Pastor Josh, I was having a crappy day, and I just came into the building, and everything changed. Amen. Really? Tell me more about that. And I, I, hear, I hear this one all the time. I don't know what it is, but there's, there's something special about Granite Creek. I feel the peace of God when I come in there. Even when I come into the campus, I feel peace of God. One of my dear friends in ministry, I don't really spend a whole lot of time with her, but I should. Her name is Julia, and she's the regional director of a GLOW ministry. She recognized that there was something special about this place. This is where it gets weird. Because she was saying, we, we need to have them back, by the way, Patricia. Just, just, okay, just have, let's just, let's have a conference. Let's have a, a GLOBE conference. A GLOBE ministry is a prayer movement ministry led by the most amazing women on the planet. They intercede and pray the kingdom of God into places. And they were having a conference here once and Julia recognized that here is as she, she could feel the kingdom of God here. This is where it gets weird. She's, she, it's going to sound new age. Just get that stuff out of your head. It's going to sound, you know, sci-fi. Get that out of your head because we're talking about the kingdom of God. Everything that, that sci-fi does is based off of the kingdom of God anyway. She says, no, there, there's a portal to heaven here. And that's, that's the weird part. Okay, you guys Okay. You guys okay? Okay, I just said portal. That sounds very new agey and weird. But she says, no, no there's, there's a portal to heaven here. She says, I can see it in the spirit. That's the amazing thing about holy women. They see things that we don't. So you got to hang around holy women so that open your eyes. Several years ago, we had Randy Clark minister in our church. Randy Clark uh, was doing a, a, a teaching on healing in Toronto. It was supposed to be over a weekend. He's like from, I don't know, he's from the south somewhere. And so they invited him up to Canada, of all places. Canada. Nothing good comes in Canada. Oh. I know. So he, was, he just went up there to do a, a vineyard teaching on healing. And a three-day conference 
turned into the longest continuous prayer time in human history. That conference did not end that night. It continued around the clock for, I don't know, how many years? All right, years, a continuous prayer meeting where God was moving in, in, in miraculous ways. And so when Randy was here, and he's, a, he's an itinerant speaker, he just travels all over the place, and you know, whoever pays him, he's just going to show up and do his thing. He's a great man of God, don't get me wrong. It was an honor and a blessing for him to come and minister into a church that is our size. That's, that's what we call favor. Because he's used to doing much larger venues than, you know, our cool little church. And yet, he's in this moment where he's ministering and he's, he's praying and people are being healed and people are being delivered. And he's in this moment. Is it six years ago? Yeah. And he gets his phone. Oh, it's still... Six years. Continuous. Yeah. So that guy was here in our building, and he was sitting up here. He picks up his phone. He calls his assistant, and he says, hey. And he didn't even check with me, by the way. He says, hey, I'm going to stay another day because something's going on, and I want to make sure I don't miss it. So change my reservations and, and book me another flight. I'm going to be ministering in Josh's church for another day or two. And his, his gut was like, oh, I, what I feel here is, is what I felt there. Great. Do you know what that means, everybody? This, don't stop believing. Because that, that portal, how big is it? Is that portal this big? Where you can maybe just see through? You can see and glimpse into heaven a little bit. That's okay. But maybe with faith and an investment of prayer and most of all, loving each other and loving God's people, maybe that, that portal will get a little bit bigger. All right, so what is church? Church is when the people of God congregate around the presence of God. And they are dedicated to ushering in the kingdom of God. I have, um, we have a vision here, a vision for our church. Our vision for our church is to see families and culture transformed by what? Heaven, heaven on earth, which is, by the way, Jesus's message. Jesus' message, well, he'd say, hey, you guys need to repent and straighten things up and get your act together. That was message number two. Message number one is, oh my goodness, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in fact, you're looking at it and you're seeing it. Every healing, every act of every miracle he performed was an expression of the kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth. Look, we still have access to that. We have access to it. And it requires an affection of our hearts to be changed towards seeing people the way that God sees them. It requires a desire for justice and truth and mercy and grace. 
Is there for the take? Should probably read some scripture. Matthew, you've got your Bibles. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read this and then we'll wrap her up. Matthew chapter 16. Start at verse 17. This is in the declaration of who Jesus is. Peter, the knucklehead of all knuckleheads, was revealed to him of who Jesus was. And Jesus replies, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but was but by my Father in heaven. So the information was not through education. The information was revelatory from heaven. Meaning that he didn't come up with it on his own. And I tell you, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So Simon's name gets changed from Simon to Peter. Changes his identity, changes his, his uh, status, his cult standing. And on this rock, I will build my what? Church. So, in our declarations of who Jesus is, and that revelation comes from heaven and from the word of God, we will be built. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Uh, You know, and we we can attest to that. The gates of hell tries everything to undo this place. Everything. Let me just step down for a minute. Folks, there's so much spiritual warfare that you're not even aware of. Get around some holy people, have your eyes opened up, might scare your pants off. But there's so much warfare going on in the spiritual realms. Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Like he's talking to Peter, but Peter's the church, right? The meaning that he's now talking to us, meaning that we will get the keys. We've got everything that we need to unlock things in the heavenly places. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is, this is deep spiritual stuff. I mean, of course, it's coming from Jesus' own words. Let me preface one thing. If you've ever been hurt by church, you know, again, just kind of thinking about um, Van Gogh's interpretation of his haunted house. Have you ever been hurt by church? and you're not able to get over it, I have, I have a solution for you, and it's all in the interpretation of what church is. In Greek, 
when Jesus said this, upon Peter's confession that Jesus is the, that Jesus is the center of everything, upon what he says about who I am, I will build my church, okay? And when Jesus uses that word church, in the Greek, it's translated into ekklesia. That's the Greek word, right? Ekklesia. Upon that confession of who Jesus is, I'm going to build my ecclesia. Okay, what Jesus doesn't say is that upon that confession, I will build my temple. Upon that confession, I will build my synagogue. It's ecclesia. It's a Greek word. It is, uh, you know, if you... If he wanted to play the religious card, he would have said, upon the church, I build my temple. But he does not, Jesus does not play the religious card. He plays the relational card. Hallelujah. So, if you've been hurt by church, this might help. You've been hurt by an organization. You've been hurt by a religious spirit. You've been hurt by a political spirit. It ain't Jesus, everybody. Jesus is relational. And his ecclesia is one of love and mercy and caring and forgiveness and compassion. If you've been hurt by church, it's because the politics of church have gotten in the way of the ecclesia form of what church should be, which is relationship and not religion. That's our mission statement, by the way. Landon, come on up. One of the things that I loved about the 4th of July parade. Oh, yeah, I need to take offering. I need to take offering so the gates of hell won't prevail. <laughs> One of the things that I loved about the 4th of July float is that we went in with a fun spirit of creativity and community. We did everything through prayer. We did everything in submission to what we believe God was calling us to do. It took some time to work it out. Uh, the first draft was a pirate ship. Uh, the second draft was a fire station. And then the Holy Spirit said, no, dude, it needs to be a starship. There were only three churches represented in that whole day at the 4th of July celebration. Yeah. Only three churches. One church, I'm going to leave it alone. There were no churches like ours <laughs> at the 4th of July parade. We were the only ones that, that were like us. And I'm going to echo what Landon said in the beginning. Well, first of all, our only competition, which is Pilgrim's Place, uh, their, you know, their Mayflower float, it broke down. Now, I'm competitive. I'm like, yes, but, um, but I'm like, okay, the Holy Spirit's like, okay, Josh, that's a bad attitude to have, and so we all helped push their float out of the way. Our, our men jumped up and said, oh my gosh, this, this stinks. We need to help these people. 
And then we were going down Indian Hill in the corner of Harrison where all the activists were. And there were rumors throughout the community that the activists were going to shut the parade down, that they were going to block it, that they were going to stand in the way. And I was like, oh, oh. And that's where I started praying. I said, oh, God, please. Uh, really started interceding heavy at that moment. And then with all the ugliness and all the meanness and vitriol and poison, Landon starts singing, Don't Stop Believing. And their signs started dropping and they started singing along. And the, the, that's what we need to do. That, like, like, we just need to encourage our community to sing along with us. I mean, and not just to sing a journey song, but to sing along with us in the spirit. That, that mindset is an ecclesia mindset. It's not a temple mindset. The temple mindset says, destroy them. Josh's competitive spirit says, destroy them. Those old retired people. But the, ecle the ecclesia mindset says, okay, no, you need, a, you need to be sweet enough to where they're going to want to sing along. And that is, that's, that's the hope of glory. Amen? All right, let's get the ushers to come to the front. I want to encourage you to support the ecclesia that meets in this building, that not only are there an incredible group of people that love God and love weird people, not only are they, not only do we have that, that you've got to see it in the spirit we have a sacred space, much like Notre Dame, much like the ancient churches where even though there's nobody there anymore, you walk into them and you can feel the years of prayer. I can feel the years of dedication, intercession, and prayer that has been prayed into this building. It opens portals to the kingdom of heaven. So this is what you're giving to. This is what you're returning to in an act of worship and an act of obedience. When Jesus tells Peter, you have the keys to unlock the resources in heaven and what you bind in, in, in earthly places and you bind in heavenly places. Look, that is all power. You have keys to access power resources that are all locked up into heavenly places. Get it. Look, I'm telling you guys, get it now. Get it while the getting's good. Put the mark of God on your finances. That's a key. It's one key. It's not all of them, but it is one key. You return to the Lord what he has given you with tithes. It is the blessing that comes with multiplication. Multiplication. I know things are tough. I know gas is high. Gas is so high, you can't make your Van Gogh. Van Gogh joke. I know. <laughs> you have Ed Powelson to thank for that. I just want to encourage you. Let God into every, every facet of your life. Financial, relational, physical health, every aspect of mental, spiritual. Let God into all of it and see what takes place. God, I, I pray you bless this offering to its fullest extent so that we can continue to be Ecclesia in Claremont.
that we can make an in, a bigger impact into our Judea and impact the world. Thank you so much, Lord, for your faithfulness. God bless you as you give. All right, so I knew that the Lord wanted me to talk about church today. Like, just like information. Holy Spirit says, yeah, this is your topic. This is what you're going to go after. I'm like, yes, Lord, I will go after that today. And then something interesting happened in worship today. Something very strange happened in worship today. Probably everyone here has been hurt by hurt people. Can I get an amen? You've been hurt by hurt people. And some of you have been hurt by church. And this is actually even somebody that's just watching online. So I really feel like the Lord is speaking to somebody online that has been hurt by church. Here's the fun part about being a pastor is that the Lord allows me at times to feel what you feel. And it sucks, and I'm sorry. I, I, I felt, I felt the abuse that somebody has gone through. God, that hurts. I'm so sorry. So in the sacrament, the Lord is going to set you free from an abuse that took place at the hands of a religious leader. Amen? Amen. Like you don't need to carry that weight around anymore. This is going to cut that chain. This is going to break that millstone. That person that abused you, he's in the hands of the Lord. And you are now set free from that abuse. Because the Lord is revealing to you from heavenly places what the church really is, ecclesia. And that, that knowledge downloaded from heaven it will set you free. In this is the body of Christ. It is provision. It is one of those keys. It unlocks everything that you need. All of your practical needs are locked up into this wafer. This is the bread from heaven that is going to be provided to you no matter how hot and dry and miserable it gets. The manna from heaven will provide you with all of your needs. You just have to be a part of the body of Christ. Receive the body of Christ for your provision. This is the best part of the whole deal, which is the new deal, the new covenant. This moves us from temple, tabernacle, synagogue practice into the reality of what Jesus created as something new, ecclesia, expression of worship. We can ecclesia and not temple because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 
Without the shedding of innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This washes away everything you've done and will do and have done. And in this moment, you will be closer to Jesus than you ever were before. Jesus' blood is in this cup, and it makes all things new. Become new by the drinking of the blood of Jesus Christ. Come through for his people. Don't stop believing. I had some more Bible reading planned for you, but I ran out of time. So read Revelation chapter 2 on the churches. That's your homework for this week. But let me send you off with the blessing of the Lord. May the God of peace. God himself sanctify you. You've just been sanctified by communion. Sanctify you through and through. May your whole body, soul, mind, and spirit, may they get better, not worse. May you grow and not slide. May you be consistent and not tossed by the waves. May you become the version of yourself that Jesus has envisioned from the very beginning, before you were even born. Jesus, who has called you, is faithful, and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So don't stop believing. God bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>